Welcome back to the second half of the George Lynch Hunting Podcast with Dan Young on Hunting Mock Scrapes. Hey, I'm George Lynch with Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. And Dan's agreed to sit in with me and, and to talk about as the mock scrapes. But hey, Dan, thank you for sitting in with us today. You know, George, I'm sure a lot of folks folks can relate to this. When I first started hunting, it ate me up. I mean, I I mean, that's all I wanted to talk and do. I mean, it just that's I just went nuts, and you know, I I was lucky to make a living out off of it. But um, I, I but you know, the one mistake or one thing that I did October opening day, I was in that stand and I was sitting six, seven hours and then I go the next day or the next day or the next day, you know, and then by the time when the hunting really starts getting fired up really good, I'm You're burnt out. out. I'm burnt out. It. Yeah. Or you've burnt your stands up. Yeah. Right. Cause and both. Yeah. Your best chance, according to the professionals, according to them, your best chance of killing a Pope and young deer or Pope, a Boone and Crockett or a Pope and young buck is the first time you go sit a stand. Absolutely. And, and then every time that you go back, your chances go down a little bit because every time you go no matter folks, no matter, I don't care what they say. Some of these other people say, I, this is just my humble opinion. Unless you're wearing a hazmat suit, every time you go in there, no matter what you do, you're going to be leaving some iota. Oh, scent. Yeah. Cause you're exfoliating skin cells all the time. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're taking your little Debbie snack cakes out there, you know, whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're emitting a scent every time you go in there. I mean, now if you're running your ozonics, you're spraying down with your pure, uh, pure whitetail, uh, scent elimination. Um, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, you're doing your wash, you, you wash your clothes or run your, I, I like I'll wash my clothes in a uh, scent-free laundry detergent, George, one time. And then I'll just use my Ozonics to dry wash them, okay? I don't I don't want to keep putting them through the washer all the time because right. you don't want your clothes to, to fade or, you know, the, the camo color to fade and all that other stuff. Um, unless I get blood or something on it, I just use my Ozonics to clean my stuff. But How uh, often do you do that? Is that an everyday or once a week? I get home. When I get home, I'll put everything in my dry wash bag and I'll turn my my Zonics on and wash every it. Every day. It's, it's every day, yeah. Um, and I, I haven't had an issue with that. So, but, uh, you know, and if, but if I get blood or if I get something, if I spill coffee or something on me, I try not to wear my hunting clothes. I, I usually don't get dressed until I get to where I'm hunting. I'll wear a, a, a T-shirt that I've washed in my scent-free detergent or I wear a pair of sweatpants or a base layer, depending if it's cold, I'll wear my base layer when I'm driving. And then, uh, and then when I get to where I'm hunting, I'll get out of the truck and get dressed. And then that way I know that I didn't have anything that's going to contaminate my hunting clothes. It's going to smell. I know that sounds yeah. anal to do that, but, um, no. I just, I, it's worked really, really well for me. Well, you're talking about an animal that there, you know, for one thing, I don't know if we ever can a hundred percent, you know, completely hide the human. Uh, not, unless you're, com- not unless you're in a hazmat suit. Yeah, you know, and I think that uh, what we do, it's about the, the the contaminating of the majority of the you know the potent strength of a human. I know the other day that, and I spoke about this before, but like the deer here, you know, I'm watching deer, and I know we got a west wind, and they're they're coming. They're gotten so used to us here that they're in the yard, and they'll look at me, and and I'll go to just moving or cooking, and you know, there's a deer out there. They're just getting accustomed. And so they, I know they know my scent. 
out there and they've known it at this distance this is what it smells like i think the distance from that to right in your face ear snout of it you know raises so i think a lot of what i'm saying is the scent deterrent deterrence of what they do is they not killing the scent 100 but they're masking it down to where it's a level i think the animals are either considering it safe or i know or i'm going to raise my tail up and maybe it's a little too strong but you know it's it's just it's not that uh strong ascent you know if, if when they're closer so i think that fools them a little bit i have noticed like a mature deer um, that's why I mentioned to Larry when I first came on board uh, years ago, I was talking about it. I said, well, how does mature deer seem to act to it? And I learned for myself, like on the Oxonic, they'll tell you to, you know, to run it at a certain level. But I found that it depended on the conditions. If I didn't have any wind, I would put it down on very light because it seems like the days that you didn't have any wind, you're still running that. Sometimes you would catch that scent. I knew that that Ozonic uh, scent was strong. And you'd see it as a mature doe would walk in or a good mature buck if he got out there. I've noticed sometimes they, they sit there and it's not like that ear snout of, of a human where their eyes are this big. Is all of a sudden they'll stop, lick their nose, and they'll look up and, and you'll see them and they'll back up. And once they're out of that scent stream, they kind of back back out and not have the alarm. Where I've seen younger bucks will hit that scent stream of that ozone and you'll see that they know it's different, but if they walk past it, and once they get past that that uh, line of smell, their memory or whatever hasn't gone. They just forget it and and move on. Yeah, they, it's just something different that they're smelling. They, they it doesn't exactly. it doesn't alarm them, you know. So, but well, is uh, so right now we're we're talking again. We're looking at you. You're watching probably what the last week of October. You're going to start looking at putting the uh, dough and heat stuff in. Yeah, I'll I'll go out and I'll just use premium buck dust right now. Um, I'll put that out when I'm walking. I'll put that on my boots when I'm walking in, and then uh, I'll probably if we get a cold front. Last year, I think I shot my buck in Iowa October 11th, if I remember right. It's it was early, but we had that cold front come in. And I had deer, I wasn't in the stand 30 minutes and I had deer all around me. It was awesome. Oh, and then, wow. and then I saw a couple bucks up on the food plot and I went back the next night and I shot, I got my shot and I got him. But, uh, it, you know, if it's, if we get some, you know, 60, 65 degree afternoons, then I'll probably get out there and sit a few times. But other than that, I probably won't start hunting until like the 17th, 18th, the 20th around there. And it just depends what the weather's doing, George. Dude, it's the same with me. And that's, you know, I guess it's kind of the beauty of, of the trail cameras. You know, when we were younger, we had down there, forget me, the first ones were strings that came out and, and the deer. Uh, trail, ti trail timers. Yeah, that was our trail yeah. timer in, in yeah. the day. I'm yeah. thinking, to me, it's a tremendous scouting tool because, you know, um, I mean, I love sitting out in the woods and I, and I will, you know, but if, if I'm watching and, I'm, and I got a particular deer in my head that I want to shoot, I won't go really hunt that spot until I pick up one of the deer that I can serve, you know, my shooter. If it's something that my wife would want to go in and a little go and set. But what I'm saying is I'm staying out and because of the beauty of the trail cam, you know, it's uh, for that particular trail that where I'm hunting, you know, I haven't seen anything in, in you know, now if one does pop up and, you know, and even if it would happen to be once or twice, 
then we'll start hunting that spot and start looking. But that's the beauty of the trail cam, being able, like Gene Wenzel said, it's easy to pass up a pretty good buck when you've got a, a huge buck on camera as well. Yeah. Well, you can still go hunt. I mean, just uh, what I try to do is I hunt the perimeter stands. That way I can slip in there, slip out without disturbing the majority of the timber or the, where you know, the, between the bedding and the food. I can, they don't know I'm in there. You know, I can sit on that perimeter and that way if they, you know, if they're, if I get lucky and they come around the perimeter, I might have an opportunity. But I, on my rut stands that's, that's in that core uh, area, I don't want to go hunt that until that, you know, that, end of that first week or second uh, getting into that third week of october because that's going to be my best opportunity i think on taking uh, a mature deer that i might be looking to take are you one of those guys can do an all-day set uh it just depends you know i'm filming i i the older i get the worse it is because i have to lug all that crud out there with me you know thank god for fourth arrow i can you know at least they're their camera bases and their arms are light but uh you know it's, you you yeah, i am uh, I remember when I could go and hunt all day with just my Polaroid. I can't remember where I used to sit. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, I usually, if I go, I usually sit six, seven hours. I'll get out there, you know, if it's early season, if it's, if we got a 60, 65 day, I'll get out there about one o'clock and hunt till dark, you know. And I think that's, uh, you know, to me, some of the uh, the biggest mistake. And I, I'll talk for myself because, you know, the more serious you get, that um there is some areas and when you get near the, the the end of the season when it starts getting bitter cold and you might be hunting you know we're all going to be hunting food sources and food sources one thing you know in in the in the morning time that you know are trying to definitely oh, you yeah you don't want to hunt those yeah, you're going to run your deer out and i think the problem a lot of people because you can't determine what time it depends when they're going to come out but uh, some people i think be, you know they always go to that traditional two hour last two hours and the problem with that if whatever deer i seem to bump if there was a big buck back there and you bumped that deer i don't believe that there's enough time if that buck didn't leave and he stay hidden there's not enough time for that buck to all of a sudden feel calm and forget about it and, and walk back out. I think if I, you know, you're going in an area that possibly I could intrude in deer, then I'll choose to go in at noon or like you said, one o'clock. So if I happen to bump a deer that's out in the field, you know, and I not knowing what direction, but once they go in, uh, if you're in there early enough, I think there's a time that the, the buck have calmed down and finally he'll, he'll come back out. And I don't think he'll change his pattern. Well, you got to remember late season, them deer ain't moving very far. They're trying to conserve as much energy as possible. So, I mean, you, you, you know, that's why if you get out there at 12, 1231 o'clock and, you know, just ease in there. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not going to be that far off that food source because they're going to be wanting to stay close to that and conserve their energy, if, especially if it's super cold. Okay, real quick. I want your best uh, rattling rut story excitement you've ever experienced in the out in the woods. Uh, well, I'll be one of my favorites that I didn't actually get the deer. How's that? I was hunting That's down. What I'm saying. Yeah, I was down in Sheridan uh was it two or three years ago i had my buck decoy out and i was looking up uh up the up the uh the the finger towards the bedding area and i just saw a flash of a tail so i i i went out and i i just happened to have my little winds uh my little uh intimidator ninja call here yeah and uh 
I he flashed a tail and I, I, I let out a and then I I saw I saw an antler and he stopped. And then he started coming my way. Now I'm self-filming. I got the decoy out, pointed out 20 yards to my right. And I, I get the camera, I'm moving the camera, and I saw him coming around. So I threw I put my grunt call down and uh he came around. I had I had uh my wind scent unit running, I don't know how every other minute every minute or every three minutes or whatever. So I grabbed my bow and I could I couldn't see him anymore. He came down that that finger and he it was too thick. I couldn't see him. So I'm going, well, he's either going to come around the front or he's going to bust out in front of me there. So I kept looking, I got the camera cause I got to be the camera guy first. And, uh, next thing I know, I hear behind me and I'm going, oh crap. So I'm sitting there, I got the camera on and I got my thumb on the zoom control and I'm backing it out. So I'm trying to, cause he's right behind me. And I back it out, and then I I hear him I hear him go around this uh, I don't know what it's some thorn bushes you know them big thorn bushes yeah. I don't know what you call them but they're just I hate them so uh, I I get uh, he goes behind that I take the camera and I swing the camera over he he's coming out of that corner to my to my right and all I saw was I saw is the antlers coming out and I saw his nose and then I seen his neck and then I seen his chest. And I, 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 I take the camera and I, I make, I'm everything's on. I got record running and I just, I, I go, well, I, I'm going to have to draw. So I go back to full draw and I'm just sitting there. All he's got to do is just do one more step. And I'm just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And he just, all of a sudden he just stops and turns around and goes back down the hill. I had the, Larry told me if I would have had that buck facing me, I had it facing away from me. Cause I thought the deer were going to be coming in front of me because the bedding area was to the, to the South of me, they were going to be coming down, but he, he circled me and uh, Larry goes, man, if you would have had that thing inverted, he would have came in and you would have killed him. That was probably 180 inch deer. No kidding. Oh yeah. And I was just, man, my heart was pumping. I'm sitting there going, come on, Lord, please. I'm sorry. Give me one. Ch- <laughs> come on. One more step. I mean, one yeah, more we, step. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So you know what I did when Ryan and Larry and I went out there this year? I cut that booger. If if that ever happens again, I'll I'll, I'll have a shot. But uh, yeah, see, and I don't like going into it. I you know me, I don't. I when I first started, man, it looked like a road crew went in there. I cut everything out. I was yeah. cutting my my back, uh, my my uh, the foliage and stuff behind me, which you do not want to do. And right. I, I was a greenhorn. I, I was an idiot. I didn't know any better. But I was cutting my back. My uh, what do you call that back? Um, they they were they were silhouetting me in the tree because I didn't highlighting you my back cover. I, I was t- taking out my back cover so they they would look up and silhouette me in the tree. So and that cost me a, I don't know how many deer that cost me. So you know when I the you know ten from the last ten years now, I, when I go into an area, I really don't cut a lot. I I try to have as least amount of uh, influence on an area as possible. I'll cut maybe a shooting lane here or a shooting lane there, but I don't want to cut a lot of stuff. Because that's their living room, George. They're they're twenty four seven, right? So they they know when something's something's up. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was an exciting hunt. That was that was good. And uh, oh man, I tell you, all they're, buck again. They're all do what? Did you ever see that buck again? Never saw him again. Uh, <laughs> no, no, never saw him again. I showed Larry and Ryan the footage and. And then, and then I had another one. I moved down. I moved down the the the. I'm in a really nice funnel, okay. And it's it's just a great spot. And I got my decoy out, 
and I'm, I'm in another tree and I'm, I hate filming myself for deer turkey. I don't mind it so much, but I hate it for whitetails. So I'm sitting there and I hear bah, 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 and I'm going, Oh, that's a, that's, that sounds good. So I turn the camera on and I get it in front of me to this one was coming from my left and a doe come running up behind me. So I grabbed my bow and, uh, <laughs> I got that buck decoy and this buck came in, but he, he came in and he, he kind of did like an S and went to the back end of my, the, the deer decoy. And he's given me a quartering two shot, not a quartering away, but a quartering to me. And it's like, man, I just don't like that shot. I just, you know, and I'm at full draw on him and he's a, he's a dandy buck. And, uh, I just couldn't shoot him. Cause I didn't think I was going to, I didn't want to wound him, you know? And you know, this is 170 plus deer. I mean, he's, I mean, big old bases on him. Just the, I mean, my heart's thumping. I, I mean, my knees are, my knees are shaking. And anyway, long, I just, I just, he just went after the dough and I showed Larry and them guys, like, why didn't you shoot that? He go, I go, I didn't think I had a good shot. He goes, what's wrong with you? You could have shot that deer right there. I would have killed that deer every day of the, every day of the week. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so anyway. So oh, I, I, I went back and looked at my deer angles on, on computer and he was right. If I would have shot him, if I would have shot him just a hair behind where I was looking at, I would have took out, uh, I would have took out both the lungs, yeah. but you, you know, that, you know, again, I, I went back and t it made me go back and analyze shooting angles and where to aim on that. But I, I, that's just not my favorite shot to take. I, I want to take a broadside or a quartering away that that quartering away shot, George, is my favorite. It's money. It's money. And, and of course, I had you've got to make sure on the frontal that you do hit that pocket that you're looking for in that dimple. Yeah. And then you've got to hope that you get a good penetration, you know, and it, it's, that's how we find deer by, you know, the blood and, and getting a good blood and then finding the blood on the ground. If they bleed internal, that can be tough, you know, if your arrow's plugging up a hole. Yeah. It, it, you know, like you said, I've killed bucks there when I was younger. Um, but I'm kind of like you today on a big, huge deer and I'm shooting lighter poundage than I did. And I'm not shooting the 80 pounds. I'd probably be like you today. I'd probably err on the safety instead of, like you said, I don't want to, I don't want to wound anything. I, I just, I've always been taught to have reverence for the animals that I'm hunting. Absolutely. And, you know, and I just, that I have more respect for them than that. And if I can't kill them clean, I'm not going to, I just don't want to take the shot, but you know, Larry's a better hunter than I am. I, I, I'll, Larry and Philip and all them guys are better bow hunters. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good hunter, but, uh, I, I would say those guys are better hunters than I am. And Larry's a better shot than I am. I'm a good shot, but Larry's a better shot. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta be comfortable with your shot selection and you, you, you gotta know your limitations. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm with you. See, I backed, I backed, I'm only shooting 58, 59 pounds now. And, uh, I did that, I did that after my rotator cuff surgery a few years ago. And, uh, I, I just want to make sure I'm getting a complete pass through or as much penetration. Cause you know, I, I'm just telling you what, there is nothing worse than sitting there all, worrying about a deer all night because you had a marginal hit because you didn't, you didn't take your time. And I, I hate that feeling, man. We've all been there, George, and I really don't want to relive that again. I agree with you. There's two types of feelings on, on, on wounded deer. Like you said, there's, there's though that, you know, I've executed the shot. I waited patiently. Uh, the shot feels like it was right on. If I had to do over again, I wouldn't do anything different. I like those. And those, you still can have something you could hit a branch and it's the ones like you said that you knew better and you forced it. 
knowing that uh, you know you knew better and yeah. yet you didn't take control of your emotions and you know the the overwhelming to get an arrow in the deer and it overwhelmed the importance of the accuracy of where you hit the deer then i would be pissed Absolutely. well i just i'd be sick i i just don't want to wound anything you know i just even a tur- even when i'm turkey hunting if i ain't got the right shot or if i don't think i can get him i mean i've shot 96 birds with my bow now you know and i i just uh i i to me, I, I, and I hate turkeys. And the reason I say that is turkeys, turkeys humbled me more than any other animal in the face of the earth that I've ever hunted. They laughed at me when I called, when I, first. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I could, it took me five years to harvest a, a turkey with a bow. And, uh, I, I just, I hate, I love them, but I hate them. And, uh, I just, I just want to make sure I, I'm taking the best shot I can. You know, it got so easy shooting them with a bow, Dan, that I started putting M80s on my broadheads and lighting it and then <laughs> popping it, shooting it next to their head face. And <laughs> it's that timing. You got to release that arrow. Just it, it, it actually, if you film that and watching an M80 go off <laughs> next to a turkey, you he's, bring it. He's kidding, folks. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't want to tell anybody that he's, he's being serious. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> just, you know, uh, I, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's neat to get out there and see the stuff. I, I'll, I'll never forget when my buddy, Larry Anderson was alive. I, did you ever meet Larry, Larry Anderson, the wildlife artist? No, Larry was up here in Des Moines and one of the best wildlife artists I ever met, just super nice guy. And he kind of took me under his wing when I moved up to Des Moines 25 years ago. And, uh, he, uh, he had 600 acres down by Woodburn, Iowa, just some of the best deer hunting in the country. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And he, it was just, he goes, you can hunt with me. It's just you and me. And it was, I mean, it was awesome. And I was sitting in a tree and, um, cause I started the TV show after I did channel eight news for six years, I was doing an outdoors dance segment on channel eight news for a while. And that's how the TV, that's how outdoors tradition started. Cause, uh, I had people saying, why don't you make a show? We like what you're doing. Sure. And so I was hunting on Larry self filming cause it was Jeff Jorgensen and I doing the show and, uh, I'm sitting here, George, and I, I heard a deer bleat. And I looked behind me and I saw a 200 plus inch deer coming. But the problem was he was across the fence and I, I won't shoot over a fence. Right. And, and that deal was coming and I grabbed my grunt call and I'm sitting there. And then I hit the old. And that, that, that buck could care less what I, I could have sang Yankee doodle dandy up there. He wouldn't have cared. He didn't care. He was on that hot dough. And I'm going, come on, man, come over here. And I, and I'm shaking, George, I'm literally shaking. This deer is so big and I'm, I'm just watching him cause he's not coming in and he, they, she went into the timber and he was in and I had to sit down after it was over. And I went back, flipped the LCD screen and I wanted to watch the footage. I was so shook up. You I never recorded. I double hit record. I yeah. didn't get, I didn't get the footage. Well, I yeah. can see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, them them deer. I, it just you no know, doesn't matter what it what doesn't matter really what I'm hunting. When I get when I get jacked up like that, it's that's what it's all about, right? That ten fifty. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. you, okay. Now you're in a situation. Two hundred inch deer come in. That's a different Dan. He's killed a few big bucks now on his wall, but he has this two hundred incher coming in, and and all of a sudden, you know, it's great light and it's illegal to shoot. But your camera guy says, I, I can't see. I don't have enough film. You know, I can't get him. It's not light enough. 
So let me tell you, would you sit here and as, as the deer hunter Dan kicks in and says, heck with it, smoke meat, or it would be the guy saying, okay, we'll wait till the light's better and we'll get him next time. What would it be? Well, <laughs> we, we, wanted to, we always want to tell the truth so the man upstairs is happy with us, right? That's right. I always say it's better to ask, beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Uh, that's my man. That's my man right there. Yeah. I'd say. I, 90% of the time I'm filming myself because Ryan's with Larry and yeah. Paul's down in Oklahoma. So, you know, a lot of the times I'm on the show, it's me self-filming. I'll let me, I will tell you this though. I'm going to tell you something about Larry McCoy. Did, do you know what happened last year? No. Did you hear that story? So no. I got that deer. We had that cold front come in and I shot that deer like 25 minutes before, before last light. I had plenty of light, got great footage of him, shot him at uh, 40 yards. He came in, gave me a broadside and I had my wind scent running. He was going towards my scrape. He stopped and put his head down. I said, money. So, I mean, I shot him, got the arrow, went right where I wanted it. And he took off and, uh, I went, I, I did all my recreates, did all my, oh man, did you see that folks just, you know, blah, blah, blah. I did all that. And I, I got down and I had an e-bike. I bought an e-bike last year. Cause I was thinking, you know, that that's, those things are slick and I still think they're slick, but I guess I'm too fat and old to operate things like that anymore. But I got, I got, I got a little trailer with it. So I throw my can, I get down, I get all my stuff done. I marked, I marked where my, my arrow, what my last blood, first blood was marked all that, throw everything in the trailer. And I get back up the stupid bike. I got, I'm going up a hill like this, George, and the bike stops halfway up the hill. <laughs> bikes are not, the, those the bikes fat, are, the fat yeah, signal yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, they have a button on there that you can press. It's if you stop, it gets stuck like that. It's supposed to walk your bike up for you under power. Well, that wasn't working either. That's called the holy crap button. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I'm dragging all this stuff up and I get up there and I'm, I'm going, they're going to find me here dead. And I, I get back to the truck and I call Larry. I said, man, I just shot a really nice buck. And I said, I'm, 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 I'm done. He goes, what's the matter? I told him what happened. He goes, no kidding. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, where are you at? And I said, I, I told him where I was hunting. He goes, I'll be there in three hours. He gets, he lives in Kansas city. So he got in a truck at like eight 30 at night, drove up, got here like midnight or midnight or one in the morning. And, uh, we went back and it, we had fog. It was so cold that night. We got a freezing fog and, uh, we, we had blood for about a hundred yards and I knew I killed the deer. I mean, I hit him. I hit him great, but, uh, you know, deer can go a hundred, 150 yards. Sometimes they're just, oh, yeah. this, this was a big buck. And, uh, anyway, Larry came up there and, uh, we, we lost blood because it froze. We couldn't see it. And, uh, so we got back and, uh, went back to the house, got about four hours sleep, went out and got on the, I brought my four wheeler and, uh, we hopped down, we drove down to where my stand was. And Larry looks over and goes, he's right there. We were within 50 yards of the deer. We just couldn't see him. Mm. And, uh, anyway, so Larry came, but I'm going to tell you something. That's the kind of guy Larry McCoy is. That's a buddy yeah. right there. Drive three hours and in, in, at night when he's tired to help me find that deer. And, uh, I, I tell you what, George, them, them, them e-bikes are nice, but they're heavy and you don't want to be on a hill with a haul. Oh my a goodness. Yeah. I, it no, took I, everything I had to get that thing up the hill. He jackknifed us. He jackknifed his e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't jackknife it. It just quit. It, the battery it was like, uh, and you know what I did? I sold it the next day. I, okay. I got, uh, I said, I'm done with this thing. Goodbye. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then uh Larry found it for you the next day. Is that what you're uh, saying? We were we were we got it, we got back to where we were. We got on the four-wheeler and I drove down to where my stand was, and it was he was right there. He just circled around. He he was within we were in within 50, 60 yards of him that, at that night. We just couldn't we we couldn't see the blood because it froze. But good deer? Oh, it was nice deer, it was high one fifties. Yeah, yeah, good deer. Yeah. Yeah, I was hey, trust me, they're all good deer to me. Well, Dan, I tell you what, folks, um, it's pretty good stuff. The pure white tail, like I said, is amazing stuff. I would go, my wife will have it at the bottom of the screen, how to get a hold of them, but I'm sure it's probably purewhitetail.com. Purewhitetail.com. And uh, honestly, George, um, uh, they've got rut packages coming out. You can go and look when you go on the website. You go on the, go on the packages, folks, because you can get pre-rut, you can get rut packages, and that rub package is it, it's a great time of year to buy that right now. And then like next year, if you want to start doing a summer scrape, they've got summer scrape packages that you can do too. And you got, it's a little, it gives you a little uh, shoulder pack and it gives you everything that you would need to do that. And, and they're really economical. Uh, and uh, I would put them right up there with the, uh, with the, uh, a George, uh, a George and Diane uh, waterfall call. I mean, they're, they're good. And they're very, you know, what, and it's uh, what a great way. It's a great tool to, to scout. It's uh, what a great tool to try to use to, you know, if there's, like I said, we're always trying to put that um, extra trick in, in the in the bag there. But I, like with me, when it comes to late season, everybody knows that the more big bucks have been killed by chasing that white, you know, the female out there. And and one thing I do believe, you know, that deer communicate a lot through the scent, the scent, the, uh, the uh, scrapes. If there's one thing that I've learned to be able to attain, you know, there's two things you can throw, have a food source, you can have a food plot and, and lay a camera out and, and wash that. But during the rut, when the, when the deer are going to be at their weakness, at least the big buck is going to make that mistake. It's, it's probably going to be that pre-rut around the rut. And uh, by utilizing this stuff and, and trying to get them to come to a certain point, it can be done in, like I said, the scent thing. The only thing I found that helped me, and especially on mature deer, I'm talking deer more than four years old. I never grunted, used the grunt. There was different ways of me communicating. I, you know, the, the blasted roar worked for me many times uh, where the grunt, if you notice when deer are doing a tendon grunt, they're always moving. Yeah. And I think when deer see that, they look up. If you don't have a decoy there, either he's going to sneak out or he's going to circle downwind. Either way, it's not good for you, um, you know, in that first encounter. No, so, it gives them something visual to 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 reconcile what they're what they're hearing. So if they see it and they hear it, you know, chances are they're going to get curious and come in. So, but I found that uh, the um, the fawn bleat, and I started looking back, and I got a fawn bleat back. Man, I wish I could say that early 80s it was, i was youngster and I, I remember reading on it and i got a guy ran our archery shop i looked up and and it was a fox uh fawn bleat i read an article in outdoor life magazine because we didn't have no internet you know and uh so i said i walked in i said i want this fawn fox fawn bleat they even gave the model they ordered it in for me and i had that fawn bleat and i killed two bucks in michigan back when the first year you could kill two bucks um right away with a fawn bleat and 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 then and i've used that fawn bleat ever since and i and when i go back and i look at at, at the bucks that i've called on i mean i've seen it work on all bucks but when i'm talking about on mature deer the four four year old and older i've seen those you know 
deer that when they're way out of range, first of all, that high pitch uh, bleat is normal. A deer can be doing that. And usually that bleeding, I've heard many a times when there's a buck pinning down a doe and he runs that fawn off, and that, especially if that fawn's a baby button buck, he'll sit there and whine and cry constantly and not leave that mother and that poor fawn would bleat 24-7. You go in the dark and hear him out there, me, me, me. And it's uh, so when I would do this and I'd see that big buck out there, I'd hit that 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 bleed and they would stop. Yeah. And the, the system I would do is when they turn to look, when they lose about enough intention, they start to go forward. I would bleat three times super fast. Yeah. And every time I've had that buck move to come in, either it didn't either got killed or I just couldn't get the right shot, but it moved them. And the reason I've. I think it's been so effective is that what happens, you know, he's out there. That was a new buck I saw in the area. He's chasing does. Um, There might be, you know, it's he's thinking that there's a buck. It's got a doe pin down when he hears that fawn bleeding. That's what it is that he's not far from his mother and he's away from his mother because she's got a buck tending her tail. Yeah. And I, that's why, it, and it's natural. It's normal in the white tail. You know, I remember if uh, Primos back in the early days when they first came out with the fawn bleat, they'd show these guys being in the middle of the woods and screaming on that fawn bleat. And next thing you know, here come these does because maternal instinct would come running in to that fawn bleat. And I just, with me, I would, you know, snort wheeze and all that other, but the, the 10 I've had that hitting that fawn bleat when they're out there, you know, at a couple hundred yards. 150 yards you know they're out there and i don't want to bring too much attention you can just turn and hit that fall and bleat and then like i said now hit those three quick ones i believe that they think that there's a, a hot doe it's being pinned down and he's going to come over yeah i don't snort wheeze unless i got a buck decoy out in front of me yeah. you know and that's only if he's if he, i don't think he's going to come in i'll hit that as you know to, you know to tick him off you know but that's the only time george honestly i try to snort wheeze now larry Larry's always making says he does different things all the time, but you know, every, what I, what I'm saying folks is what works for me. I'm not saying what I'm saying. You have to do that. I would never tell you that, but uh, you know, just, you know, Dave makes several different vocalizations. Don't be afraid to try one. If they're, if they're not coming into your shooting area, you really don't have anything to lose. Just don't call when they're looking at you. If they're looking at down your direction, try not to call because they're going to, they're going to pinpoint you pretty quick. The only time I snort wheezed, I think out in the fields at one time climbing up my stand, I got caught in the privates with a with my T step. And I kind of <laughs> little snort wheeze on that. Ooh. Yeah. Ah, come on, George. Took the wear right out of you. Yeah, you were up there in a tandem stand with Diane. You were up there snorting. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, hey buddy, I appreciate it. And folks, it's it's time of year. Like I said, we'll look down on the screen there. We'll have uh you know outdoor call radio on there. We're also gonna talk about uh um pure uh pure, pure white tail but also though i'd like to talk about the transic that was on fourth arm or fourth arrow that they fourth, fourth arrow and Winsent. Winsent. okay well yeah, you, need, you need to you need to talk to, to uh, joe and the, joe and the guys up there and, and introduce yourself they're great stuff great products uh that Winsent 2.0 unit they just actually came out with the new mat system that they're they're a uh, little mat uh like they're like they're like a wafer um, that yeah. you can actually put into your travel bags. I'm going to use, I've got the earth scent. I'm going to use that as a cover scent in my travel bags on my camo. So that keeps that smelling like dirt. And then uh, they also have uh they also have a deer, deer uh, smell that you can put out on a trail or put it on a licking branch. 
And then they actually have a little rechargeable heater unit. You could slide that that uh, that mat in, and it it disperses that hot scent up in the wind column too. That they just came out with those, and those are pretty slick. But yeah, wind scent fourth arrow. Uh, if you're a crossbow hunter, George, or if you if you like using a muzzleloader, or you know that final uh, that uh, that uh, that final rest system is awesome. It just they they make a lot of good stuff. Yeah, fourth arrow. Fourth arrow, camera, fourth arrow camera arms. Michigan company, right? Pardon me. Yeah, they're a pat. They're a Michigan company. Yeah, they're up in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, go blue. See, I've moved out here. I love my Iowa, but I'm still always going to be a Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, well, that's all right. That's all right. So, yeah, you know the biggest mistake I made in radio when I moved to Iowa. What's that? I called the Iowa State. I called the Hawkeyes the Iowa State Hawkeyes and the Iowa <laughs> and the Iowa Cyclones. I I inverted them. Oh I yeah, ne- I never got so much hate mail in my life. I bet you did. I, I didn't. I I just didn't follow college football. I just you know, and I. I but I learned real quick. It's the Iowa. Time you well, make a time mistake. Huh? They give you one forgiveness. One yeah. Well, forgiveness. yeah. Well, so far I've been on for twenty twenty six years. They, they I think they forgave me, but uh, yeah, it was that was not good. Do you have anything uh, with the with your scrapes or anything? Are you putting videos on? Do you have any of your Instagram or anything that you're putting your videos on Facebook? Um, um, you know, I just talk, you know, when we're doing the radio shows on, you know, on Saturday morning or on Buck Talk Radio on Wednesdays on the Outdoor Call Radio app at five. I mean, I've got the guys from uh, Woodhaven on and, you know, we'll we'll talk and I've got I just had a great show. I don't know if you and Diane saw that or not, but I had a young man from Iowa called Legacy Tracking. Uh, he raises deer tracking puppies. Uh, so you, if you get a, a deer that you can't find, he'll go and get find your deer for you. Uh, that was a great show. I learned some stuff he out of. Where's he uh, here, he's out here in Des Moines. Oh, yeah. He contacted me about a month ago and said, Hey, Dan, I love your program. Can we talk about this? And I said, you know what? That's there's a lot of people are are wanting more information about that. Cause uh, you know, everybody wants to recover their deer, you know? So but, effort, you're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what I learned a little bit more about how wounded deer disperse scent and their, and their, and their, and their feet or their, uh, their hooves. Um, you know, and I, I learned a lot. So that show, but on the scrapes and stuff, George, I, you know, when, whenever we talk about them on the show, it's, it's usually a video like this, you know, we, we live stream everything folks can go and uh, check all that out for sure. So awesome. Well, check it out. Make sure that you say, Hey, I like this show. I like George, Dan, he's, you know, he's all right too, but we really like George. We want to see more of him. Any, no, Appreciate it, Dan, for coming on. Oh, it's my uh, pleasure. Thank you for uh, doing uh, doing what you do on the app. I, you know, we love having you on Wednesdays. Well, this is a great. Uh, this is a very uh, like mock scrapes and stuff. There's very things that I really are close to me and things I really get into. And mock scrapes, one of them, pure whitetail, folks. It's a it's a game changer. But you start putting the science to work, and that's basically what a lot of this is. Science isn't a hundred percent, but I'm telling you what, anything I can do each day that uh, you know I can draw. And the trail camera will tell you. You kind of watch that. You'll see your bucket activity can increase. You might be seeing more mature deer, but you know as this goes and as your mock scrapes go and they you, you utilize them right and there's going to be you're going to bring buck new bucks from you're going to see new bucks from other areas pop up and and um that's time to whack and get them you know we just like dan said earlier you see them and you know that's why i kind of like once i see them i want to get in there and try to shoot them because there's nothing better and there's no more first times there's only one first time yeah so Anyway, folks, I appreciate it. And all you guys out there hunting this weekend, getting in your tree stands, thinking of your loved ones. Always wear your, your safety belt. Be safe and always hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide.
Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. Because that's what legends are made of.